podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Helen Yell's podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And hello. Hi. I hope I sound better. Sorry about last episode, guys. Whoops. It was actually it's, Cody's fault. It was all Cody's fault. It was. So we moved our computer desk and mm-hmm. he didn't plug my mic in. Noob. And the one time I don't check to make sure the mic input or whatever is working was that episode so okay sorry i'm having him close the door because it's picking him up to which he replied just turn the threshold up but just shut the door men just don't get it do they no because no. he's gonna be like giving annie a bath and stuff later too it's a daddy put down night uh, so it might get loud because yeah. okay. she has a blast in the tub with him oh okay well I have a um, grumble. Oh, that it's more of a PSA. I've okay. already told my dad. I've already told you about this, oh. but it keeps coming back. Is keeps it the belly? Coming. Yes. How People. did I know? Because I have the same problem. I had the same problem. That's yes. why. Go ahead with your PSA. It's very it's important. A, everyone, shut up is. and listen. Hey, everyone, just hear me out. Just because someone becomes pregnant does not mean that their boundaries no longer exist, which does not mean that you have an open invite to touch their damn stomach. Don't touch them. At anywhere. Don't touch me. Yeah. I'm not going to say who. I'm going to say there's people that uh, don't understand that concept, and they thought it was rude. This is the latest development. This is why it keeps coming up. They thought it was rude that I swatted their hand away from my stomach when they reached for me. Ma'am. I think it's rude that you reached for me. Ma'am, either way, you were touching too high. That's organs, not babies. <laughs> okay. Like, do you not get organs get squished up? <laughs> they are still in there. They don't disappear. They go up. Babies are down. So I don't, I don't even want you touching me that low either way. Yeah, I just don't want people touching me ever. And when it's pregnant, when when it's pregnant, when, when it's pregnant, when women are pregnant, it's just like it's like you said. It's like it's an open invitation. It's not. It is not an no. open or an invitation. It's neither. No. It is still. I still have boundaries. They do not mm-hmm. disappear because I am pregnant. So for anyone hearing this, if you touch a pregnant woman's stomach without their consent, you're rude. <laughs> Yes. If you agreed. get their consent, that's fine. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But just don't do it. It's weird anyways. It is weird. Like, why? Why do you want to touch my stomach? I don't even like touching other pregnant women's stomachs. Like, it's... I don't, I don't even please stop. touch my own... Actually, that's not true. I'm always holding the babies. But either way, you're not touching babies. You're touching me. Can you set plates and cereal bowls and stuff on your stomach yet? No. Oh, it's the best. Just wait. Not that big yet. It's the best. You don't have to like hold it. It just hangs out. Oh, it's good. I'm it's only good. 18 weeks. Yeah, but that's like 36 and twin years. No. Because they slow down with their growth. They should be a little bit smaller than a single tin. Okay. But they're, my stomach is still fighting the growth out. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a fight internally where the babies are like, we need r- more room, but my skin's like, I can't do anything. <laughs> So and what so, are what are you at fruit wise or produce wise? Um, which app do you want me to reference? Your favorite. My favorite is the one my dad disagrees with. Perfect, that one. But they're cucumbers. 
Oh. They're about five and I, it was either five or five and a half inches. Oh, they're getting up there. Yeah. So they're what, like almost the size, like about the size of a pen? Yeah. Almost Length a dollar a bill. Yeah, they're almost a dollar bill. But yeah, so they're getting up there. But either way, that's my PSA for all of our listeners. And I told my dad this, followed by my dad thinking he's so ha-ha funny. And he goes, so what I'm hearing is you want everyone to touch you. No, dad, that is not what I want. That is what? I told him I will throw hands. As an officer of the law, if that's what he heard, I'm worried. He's no longer an officer of the law in his defense. Oh, okay. So that's why he's untrustworthy now. He's also old. (laughs) Oh, that's right. He retired in the 50s. Yeah. Come on. Get it together. Um, but that's my PSA and that's my little grumble. Um, but other than that, that's, that's it. I'm pretty sure just about every pregnant woman that listens agrees with you on that. The only person that touches my stomach that is allowed to touch my stomach is Cody. Yeah. And that's mostly, I mean, technically they're designer babies, so it's both of our faults for continuing forward. But either way. It's because normally he's putting the stretch cream on my stomach. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's fine. That's put it on. But anyways, that's that's my grumble. I will stop grumbling about it until the next time someone complains that I'm rude that I swat their hand away. And I mean about it. I just was like, no, no, move your hand. (laughs) But I will start throwing hands with people that know better. I think you should. Oh, I will. And now that you've done your PSA, everybody knows better. So, yeah, everyone has had a PSA. I will throw hands if you Mm -hmm. insist. You know what? I'll just do this. If you are going to touch my belly, I'm going to rub your belly. I like that. Why didn't I think of that? That's that's what's going to happen. You touch my belly. I'm going to rub your belly and I'm going to talk to it just like what you're doing to me. I'm going to make it so awkward for you. You got it beforehand. You got to ask them like, so, hey, you know, how was lunch? What did you have? Oh, McDonald's. Hello, Big Mac. How are you today? Was it a boy or a girl today? (laughs) Yes. Done. Okay. Problem solved. That's what we'll be doing. You're going to make me uncomfortable. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I like this plan. So done, 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 done. Um, uh, I think that's all I have for today. Let me think. Uh, it is Super Bowl Sunday when we're recording. We're actually recording during said Super Bowl. It is. I was almost late because I missed. I, I forgot what time it was. I don't watch the Super Bowl. So I text my dad a f- few minutes before and said, who's winning? Not his team, but my of- team was. Of course, Amanda and my dad have a difference of opinion of who should win there. He started it. Technically, I started it by asking. But didn't he say that if I'm not rooting for Kansas City, I'm wrong? I essentially uh, put that those words in his mouth because that's what he really meant. I was going to say, like, that feels like something he would absolutely say, though. Yeah, that's basically what he meant. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's fine. He's wrong. And I'm OK with that. Should we look up what it is? Super Bowl. Yes. 24. 24. Stat. Who's winning? Well, it's still the 49ers right now. They're at it's 10-3. Oh, they got a field goal. 
I didn't say it, Dad. <laughs> I didn't. Say, we're gonna go ahead and move on. Yeah. How okay. are you? I'm doing uh, okay. My uh, my my abscess hurts, but I got two days left, and then I don't know what happens. I just have and, a doctor's appointment. So, and then you hope that they cut it out of you. I really do. Like, just get rid of it because I'm sick of it. This is like week four, five, something like that. Too many weeks. Uh, I don't know. We held off on recording for a couple weeks, didn't we? Um, At least a week, I think. Let's look. Hold on. We recorded on the 21st. Hold on. The 21st and then not again until the 8th. So that's at minimum two weeks. Holy crap. What were we doing? (laughs) You had an abscess that was kicking your ass and still is. Yeah, true. So there you go. That's all I got for you. I was on medical leave. Yeah, for a couple weeks. And then I said, we're out of episodes. I can't do anything. We have to record. And I said, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Wasn't really a hard sell there. I was, uh, hey, we have to. And I was, okay. Yeah, it was like, you know what? You're right. And here we are. Here we are. Here we are. All right. Well, any other updates? Anything else exciting on your end? Um, I don't think so. I can't think of anything. Okay, well, are you ready to talk about socials? Talk yeah, about how tell social me, we are. Tell me about Twitter, and I refuse to say it. And tell me about Twitter and Facebook and Discord. Well, I don't know what to tell you about Twitter, because Twitter is non-existent. But I can tell you about Instagram and Facebook. Those are Hell on Heels podcast. There is mm-hmm. the Twitter replacement X, which I think Amanda and I have mentioned before. It makes us feel like we're going to a naughty website. It does, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. like it. It should be Twitter. And those, those naughty websites are now inaccessible in Arkansas, so I feel like I'm breaking the law. I don't access them in Utah, but that's just me. I mean, even if I did, I couldn't, so. Oh, well, okay. I'm sure there's a way to get around it, but I'm not. I don't care. Okay, that's fine. Um, either way, X is Hell on Hills pod. So we've got those up and going. We post pictures every week. Amanda's mostly caught up, except for the one that just released, which was 120. Um, so she, she should be caught up by this episode. Yeah. It's just one episode. And honestly, the episode 120 just came out the night that we're recording. So not like you're way behind anymore. Technically, I have time to post, so I'm not behind yet. My dad would disagree. That's fine. He's not here. Okay. And by the time he disagrees, it'll be posted. You say that, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Okay. Okay. Fair <laughs> assessment. I like that you didn't even argue. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so those are up and going. We've got our email. If you want to email us suggestions, comments, whatever it is, Podcast at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon, so if you want to go and join us on Patreon, where we're releasing extended episodes, those are released. Um, early and then if you guys do enjoy listening to us just a reminder to spread the word to your friends family whoever um, just that you enjoy this so that we can continue growing and uh, releasing these episodes for you guys and then i think that's it are you are you ready for part two i'm so ready please tell me what happens because we were just getting to the good part
I did that intentionally, guys. I was like, this is the good part. This is the juicy juice. I'm going to end it here. The juicy juice. Yes. Um, so for th- those of you joining us, if you're listening backwards, this is a part two to, you know, the part one that was last episode. So you're going to be lost unless you listen to that one. If you're listening backwards, why are you doing that? Well, I mean, if they do that, that's fine. They just won't get the inside jokes until later. Yeah, but if you listen forwards, you could get them the same time we make them. Maybe they don't want the inside jokes. Oh, okay. Well, I can't help with that. I'm just saying, like, maybe that is why. If you listen backwards, let us know. (laughs) Yeah, let us know. And let us know if you listen backwards, even if there is a second part. Do you listen to the second part first and then the first part? That's what I want to (laughs) know. That is the valid question that we Mm -hmm. have right there. Well... If that's the case, you guys are going to be a little confused. We did talk about Lucky Luciano last week. And we're going to continue talking about him this week. Because let me just tell you, I still love this story. I I do not aspire to be this man, but that's because I'm afraid of the law. But I mean, you know, fair. I thought that was fair. But last episode, Lucky Luciano, he was introduced. I guess he's a self-made criminal. Literally named himself. (laughs) So there you have it. Where we left off, Lucky had already worked his way up in the Italian mafia. And at this point, he's actually killed off two of his very powerful bosses. And in this power play, he's gaining control of the criminal world. After the death of his second very powerful boss, Moranzano, he would propose the idea of the commission at a meeting in Chicago. This was in late 1931, and this included various bosses and head of households. He would propose the idea of the commission, and this was meant to serve as a governing body for organized crime. I want to note that he did have help establishing this from his lifelong friend, Meyer Lansky. Meyer Lansky is not part of the Italian mafia because he is not Italian. He was Jewish, and so he was part of a Jewish gang or a Jewish mafia. He's also Andy Griffith. That's what Amanda calls him, yep. Yep. So this, the commission had been designed to help settle disputes between the different rival families or the different gangs, mafias, whatever you want to call them. Part of this was to include less bloodshed as well. And this commission would decide which families held control over which territories. Now from Lucky Luciano's goal, he was planning to maintain some form of control over the commission. So he's like, all right, I want to help prevent future gang wars, but I want the power to control the commission. But I don't want to be um, Capo de Tutti Capi. Boss of bosses. Boss of bosses, yes. He wants a lot. He's a very specific man. Yes. And he would mention, I think I mentioned this later, that he didn't want to take on that title because he's like, that kind of puts a target on my back. Like, some someone's going to come after me. You did mention that last episode, right? Yeah. So he kind of abolishes that title, but he wants to create this commission. The other bosses that came to this meeting in Chicago in 1931, they buy into the idea of the commission. They're like, yeah, this is great. And the commission has been called Lucky Luciano's greatest innovation. The commission would officially start with the five families of New York, the Buffalo crime family with boss Stefano Magadino. And then the Chicago Outfit. Do you know who the Chicago Outfit bosses was? I do not. Boss was? Bosses? Boss. Singular boss. No guesses? Chicago? Uh Uh-huh. 
the Chicago outfit. Oh, I have a guess, but I can't remember his name. Who was it? Al Capone. Damn it, yes. I don't know how that escaped me, but the only thing coming to my mind was the haunted cell, the haunted fancy cell. Yeah, that I knew you knew because I was like, I know she's thinking of the right one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Al Capone. Eventually, other families such as Phil- uh, Philadelphia and Detroit would be added and smaller families that maybe weren't large enough to have the representation they wanted. They were represented by a commission family. So they kind of were like under the umbrella of one of the families. Okay. Now, the commission also had representation from Jewish Jewish organizations in New York as well. So they were more diverse. Now, from the sources I could find, the commission was structured with Lucky Luciano as the chairman of the commission. The other bosses would serve as board members. This included Vincent... Mangano, Tommy Gagliano, Joseph, um, Joseph B, Joe B, who I know I still Joe can't B. say his name, Dro- Joe Profasi, Al Capone, and Stefano Magadino. So when this is first formed, they agree, let's meet every five years, or if there is a pressing issue that requires us to meet sooner. Right? Pretty good. They're not going to bring attention to themselves by meeting regularly. That makes sense. Yeah. That's fine. And, well, this was 1931. They did have to meet before that five-year mark because the commission, it has its first test in 1935. Dutch Schultz, a leader in New York, has plans to kill special prosecutor Thomas E. Dewey. Now, Luciano, he's like, killing Dewey is going to cause issues with law enforcement. There's going to be a whole shutdown on what we're doing here. We can't have that. So... He's like, this, I don't know how I feel about this. And the other bosses also were like, yeah, we're going to have some issues if we kill this special prosecutor. In addition, the National Crime Syndicate had already enacted a rule stating that the law enforcement and prosecutors were off limits. So he's a prosecutor. He's already off limits. Now, they meet at the commission. Luciano's arguments, you know, he gives his arguments. The commission would ultimately order Schultz to put an end to his plans to kill Special Prosecutor Dewey. Okay. Well, Schultz was kind of a little bit of a spoiled brat, and he would walk out of the meeting, stating that he intended to still kill Dewey anyways. Uh, Bold, I feel. Mm -hmm. To just blatantly go against um, everybody. All right. Especially Lucky Luciano at this point. Like, bro, I don't know I would cross him, okay? I feel like these are people that you should want on your side. Right, right. And also, I feel like they have valid reasons. If you're going to kill a special prosecutor, I just feel like that's going to cause issues for everyone. Yeah, issues that you don't want. I mean, you're going so far as to only meet once every five years to not draw attention to you. And then you got this guy that's like, I'm going to kill this fucking prosecutor over here. I don't know if that's his actual accent, but we're talking about the mafia. So I feel like it is. I don't know where he was from, but I think he was New York. He had to have been New York because Dewey was in New York. Okay. Well, Murder, Inc. leader Albert Anastasia, he would approach Luciano with some information. Uh, Specifically information that Schultz had asked him to stake out Prosecutor Dewey's apartment. Okay. So So, he's going to just go right on ahead here? Yeah, he doesn't care. So when this comes out, the commission, they once again 
get a meeting together. But this time it was a discreet meeting that did not include Schultz. They, they, the commission, they would deliberate for a total of six hours before they would order Lepke Buchalter from Murder, Inc. to take out Schultz. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And I do like, I I let it go a couple times, but I love the name Murder, Inc. Because it just sounds like, it sounds like a bad guy on a, you know what? It sounds like it would be the bad guy on Minions. It, it does, doesn't one of it? The, the evil people, yes. Murder, Inc. Yeah. I want us to do a story on that, so I'm going to add it to the spreadsheet. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just love um, the name, so I'm here for it. We'll, we'll see if we do a story, but it's added to the spreadsheet because I think it's... You know what? You guys were original. Murder, Inc. I love it. You guys belong yeah. with Gru and the Minions. <laughs> just throwing it out there. But... Murder Inc. is like, okay, well, we got to take out Schultz, not this special prosecutor. And this would be completed on October 23rd, 1935. Before Schultz could even try to lay a finger on Dewey, he would be shot in a tavern in Newark. He would be left for dead and would succumb to his injuries the following day. That's pretty quick. Uh-huh. That they, that they, not that he died. It's pretty, well, I mean, yeah. But pretty quick that they were just like, all right, we got to make this happen. And then it, then it happened. I mean, they're doing it, right? They're yeah. They are Murder Inc. That they're like, all right, boom, boom, bang, bang, pow, pow, pow. shoot, <laughs> shoot, done. <laughs> so, really, just looking at this right now, like Luciano, he's risen to power. Like he is a very powerful man. I've said this several times already. Just today, I don't want to get on his bad side. I would never want to get on this man's bad side. I don't think I even want to see his bad side. I want to remain oblivious. Yeah, I don't I don't want to know. Well, you would would you like to know who else took notice of his rise to power? The police. The law. Oh, I was right. Yeah, okay. You were yeah, yeah, you were right. Damn, we really thought we were doing something with those once every five year meetings. Yeah, right. Well, in June of 1935, this special prosecutor, Dewey. He had actually already appointed his assistant district attorney, Eunice Carter, to lead an investigation into prostitution racketeering, specifically ones that were connected to Lucky Luciano in the prostitution network in New York. And, I mean, they knew he was a very powerful gang leader in New York, if not the most powerful, and they only apparently fry big fish there. Now, Eunice Carter... Like I said, this this is happening before they kill off Schultz, right? He's Dewey has already said, Eunice, you need to go and start this investigation early on in 35. And then later on in 1935, Schultz is killed so that Dewey is not, right? Yes. I'm sorry. I keep giggling because it's Eunice, you need. Eunice, you need. <laughs> yeah. You need, I'm look. A, I'm an adult. Eunice is an impressive lady, okay? I don't know if you've looked at the picture of her, but she's she's impressive. She is a woman of color, so she's... Love a powerful woman of color. She's a powerful all. woman, yes. She's assistant district attorney at this point. Like, Where is she? Oh, she's powerful. I can. Uh-huh. She's got that look in her eye. She does, doesn't she? She does. I love her. So Eunice, she was able to get enough evidence that... 
Dewey would authorize a raid on 200 brothels in Manhattan in Brooklyn. They, I mean, he, that's a lot of brothels. 200? God. Oh my God. How, how, how? <laughs> like, I can't even keep one house clean with two small children. And this man has 200 brothels? Over 200 or 200? Uh, I mean, he might have more. This The raid was authorized for 200 brothels. Good God. And also, how do you pick those? Do you just... I mean, really, I feel like if he had at least 200, you could just throw a dart at a map and be like, all right, that one on First Street. They might not all be Lucky Lucianos, but this is going to be based off of the evidence that Eunice has gathered through, mm-hmm. I mean, ha- at least six months of investigation. What She was ordered to start that in June, and the raids don't start until... or don't aren't conducted until February. So you're looking at eight months of her investigations there. She was busy. Oh my. Yes, she was. So this raid was conducted on February 2nd, 1936 of all 200 brothels. February 2nd? February 2nd. Okay. I don't know why you got, oh, (laughs) wait, isn't in Alabama, wasn't it Sand Mountain Sam? Yeah, Sand Mountain Sam. I knew that. The possum. opossum day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Opossum. Did you know there's oh, a difference? No. Apparently, opossums and possums are two different things. One has a furry tail and one has... A rat-like just, tail? Yeah, a rat-like tail. I think it's the opossum has a furry tail. All I know is I would rather celebrate with Sand Mountain Sam. I agreed. I mean, he lives in a whiskey barrel. What's, the, what's not to love? He's from... Alabama? Alabama. I'm surprised you didn't say initially it's opossum day. It's opossum day? No, for the second. You said it was Groundhog oh, Day. Okay. I was like, day. today's the 11th. But I okay, I'm, I'm with you now. Amanda's losing her mind. It's Anyways, <laughs> so this was all conducted on February 2nd, and they did this in such a way. So Dewey, he made sure police corruption in the area wouldn't interfere with these raids. He assigned 160 police officers that were outside outside of the vice squad to conduct the raids. Raids. So he's like, well, the vice squad could have corruption from mafia and stuff. So we got 160 other police officers that are not part of vice to do this. 150 police officers no, for 60. two. Okay, 100. Okay, the math still ain't mathing though. 160 for 200 brothels. So what would happen is the officers would be instructed to wait on street corners until they would get additional orders. So it might not be that they're like rotating through. So they might have 160, but maybe 30 of them are at this location. They finish their raid. They move to the next location and wait for orders. Oh, wow. So they, it sounds like they were just like bing, bang, boom, like yeah. lining them up. Essentially, that's what I got. Ooh, okay. Now, these orders would come in, like the orders that they were given, they're like, you wait on this corner until you have additional instructions. And the orders would come in just minutes before the raids were to begin. So they would be like, hey, wait on this corner. We'll give you more information. Hey, in six minutes, you're going to go do this. So they're really like, I don't know. Okay. I say, I don't know who spearheaded it, but like whoever was on the radio being like you here, six minutes, they, they were on their shit. They were now in total. 16 men and 87 women would be arrested during these raids. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. That's, That's a, a lot of people. That's a lot of people. 
Now, the thing with this raid is that they're not releasing the men or women that were arrested. All of the individuals arrested would go to Dewey's office and Judge Philip McCook, he would set a minimum bail of $10,000. Per each? Per per person. Is that why they called him the cook? Because that's what their goose was? (laughs) No. Um, This was a play on Dewey's end, I think. Or I shouldn't say that. This was more of a play on Dewey's end and part of the strategy they were using because they knew that this 10 grand was well beyond their means to pay for bail, especially in 1936. Oh, yeah. And so this worked in their favor because Eunice Carter, at this point, she's gained a, a lot of trust by this time with a lot of those women. So she's like, hey, girl, hey. And she was able to get some of them to testify against the Italian mafia. That is a bad bitch because Mm -hmm. I have nothing to do with the Italian mafia and I cannot imagine testifying Testifying against against them. them? Yes. Especially now that they've teamed up with multiple other mafias. Like, oh my God. Yeah. So a lot of these women did claim to have been beaten by mafia. So maybe it wasn't super hard to get them to testify. Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, it was testify or serve additional jail time because they're they're not making the ten thousand dollar bail i still feel like i'd be like you know what give me the additional jail time right right (laughs) by mid-march by the time mid-march rolls around many of the defendants had actually implicated luciano by name uh or i'm sorry not by name they had just implicated implicated luciano and his family Uh, And when I say his family, like, that's his organization, everyone under his umbrella. At minimum, three of the women identified Lucky Luciano as the ringleader. And uh, essentially, David Batillo and Thomas Pinocchio. Pinocchio, yep. They ran the brothels. They had been um, arrested at the time of the raids. They reportedly reported to Luciano. So there that's basically what what people believe is happening or what Dewey believes is happening. Okay. Well, surprise surprise, lucky Luciano, he would get a tip in March of 1963 that he was about to be arrested. Oh. So what would he do? He had Turns no option. In. No. Oh. He fled and went to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Oh, it's a pretty town. I've here. never I've been. never been there. Oh, okay. Cool. James uh, has family there. I had to stop myself for a second, and I'm like, let's not get too specific. James has family there. Um, okay. <clears throat> but, okay, I guess he's hanging out in the hot springs then. I guess so. And I will say there are a lot of sources that claim he was vacationing, not fleeing. But I don't uh-huh. see the difference at this point, because he fled to a vacation. Mm, yeah. Uh, I feel like he was using some creative adjectives there yes that's no, what i verbs. feel like as well <laughs> it's not an adjective yeah, that's you're definitely right. a verb it's okay I've... we graduated high school i didn't listen to you anyways it's fine <laughs> i was already reading my next bullet and this might be where lucky luciano's lucky streak begins to end Uh-oh. because while in arkansas a new york detective that was out there on a different assignment would actually see luciano in hot springs and they would phone Dewey and say, hey, by the way, 
Oh, Found no. Luciano! Oh my god. The, the, what are the odds? Right? That this other guy is like, hey, I'm here also on vacation. You'll never guess who I just ran into. He was working on a different case. That so New says. York detective, no, that New York detective was out there on a different case and just happened to see him. That is wild. That is very, very unlucky. Yeah, I bet he was like, I feel like you were supposed to be arrested. <laughs> I just, I don't think you're supposed to be here. And well, he, so he calls Dewey, right? And mm -hmm. Dewey takes care of whatever he needs to. And on April 3rd, Luciano would be arrested in Hot Springs on a criminal warrant from New York. This charged him with 90 counts of compulsory prostitution. Oof. Yeah. Wait, 90? 90. But they arrested way more than 90 people. Not all 90 of them could have been forced to be prostitutes. Some of them were probably the... Bookies or whatever? Yeah, whatever they're called. I was going to call them mistresses, but that's not right. The madams. Oh, the so madams. Okay. Or the male version of the madams. A John? No, no the John, John is, is the customer. A, a, a pimp? I'm pretty sure it's there's I'm pretty one. sure it's a pimp, but there's it doesn't matter. The point is is not all of them were necessarily prostitutes. Customer. Yeah, that's I what we were saying. That. That's the client. But we uh, there's gotta be another word than pimp. It's fine. Um, what? Did you say gator? I'm ignoring it. It's a you. movie anyway. reference. It's a movie reference. Oh, is it a movie reference? Yeah. I know. Why what do you it make is. references to movies when you know I don't watch movies? Anyway, my husband's picking on me. Anyways, so before he is extradited back to New York, Luciano's attorney, he, he is fighting to stop the extradition back to New York. Oni Madden, who once owned the Cotton Club, would actually offer the Arkansas Attorney General a $50,000 bribe to help with Luciano's case. And did they take that? No, because uh, the attorney general would refuse and report that shit real quick. <laughs> oh, boy. The then Arkansas attorney general, Carl E. Bailey, would state, quote, Every time a major criminal of this country wants asylum, he heads for hot springs. We must show that Arkansas cannot be made an asylum for them. Uh, today I learned something about hot springs, Arkansas. Apparently <laughs> that is the vacation destination for... Um, Criminals. criminals. Or it used to be. It used to be, at least. I don't know if they still are. I, I wouldn't call them AWOL, but the... Uh, at large. That's at what large, I'm looking yeah. for. But he basically is like, no more of that. <laughs> and on April 17th, the fight to keep him in Arkansas was lost, and Luciano was handed over to three New York City detectives who would transport him back to New York by train. Now, they took this very seriously because they would do a transfer of trains in St. Louis. And during this transfer, they were guarded by 20 local police officers to prevent a possible mob rescue attempt. Oh, my. They were like, no, 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 no. We're not playing this game. This is not happening again. Yeah. You had your vacation. It's time to go to jail. Yep. Thankfully, they did not have any, any issues getting him back to New York. On April 18th, they arrive back in New York, and on the 19th, Luciano is arraigned and jailed. He failed to post the $350,000 bail that was set. 
I'm sorry. I didn't hear what she what she said. She scared the shit out of me. I don't know why she scared you, but I just saw a little gremlin in the in the screen. I didn't hear her. Oh god. Okay. I saw um, you jump. So you said he posted a three hundred fifty thousand. Nope. He failed to post the three hundred fifty thousand dollar bill. Oh. This is the man that was making four million dollars a year. I was about to say why. Did he just he, not have anybody that was willing to just mosey on down to the wherever jail? And... I didn't get clarity on that. It's possible, like, maybe he didn't have those funds available right at that moment. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, he left him in Hot Springs. Yeah. That was an expensive vacation for him, okay? It was. Dang. And also, as a side note, his um, his then lover... I didn't put her name in here. Not I... gay. It is gay or or Lova. Gay or Lova. Yeah, she was with him in Hot Springs. Oh, what happened to her? I didn't see anything that happened to her. She was probably hmm. left there. They probably saw her and they're like, you're pretty. You can stay. They're like, you're not who we're after. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Now, his trial for pandering would start on May 11th, 1936. Now, this was not just against Luciano. It was Luciano and 12 co-defendants. Now, Attorney General Dewey, he would personally prosecute this case. He took... um, Yeah, he took Eunice off, and he's like, it's my turn to shine. Which then I'm thinking, like... She did all the work, and he's just going to get the glory? She is very much referenced in all the work that she did. So, I don't think that. I think it was more of a power play for him in the sense of... If the attorney general themselves is prosecuting this, this is more of a high, okay. high status case. I, I get it, but also, like, at least let her be, like, I don't know. Like, you know, some cases have more than one. Like, maybe he just took the lead? Well, yes. And I'm sure that's what happened, is he took the lead and she was there. Okay. Because she she's the one with all this information, all the trust in these these sex workers. Yeah. Okay. But also, on the flip side of that, I'm like, man, Luciano... Apparently, you should have let Schultz kill this man because he just screwed you. Ooh, yeah. So. I wonder if he ever told him that. If he's like, you know, I saved your life, right? I don't know. He probably did. He was like, you heifer. (laughs) Now, like I said, he personally, Dewey personally prosecutes this case. And he did not take it easy on Luciano. He was able to expose Luciano for lying on the witness stand. So basically, Dewey would quiz Luciano and just get conflicting answers. He was like, okay, what about this? And what about this? And then he would get all these conflicting answers and expose him as a liar. And it, and he would also provide records of phone calls that kind of shed a lot of light on his lie. Oh. Or light on his lies. So he put Luciano in a really tight spot when questioned about his federal tax or his federal income tax. It's always the tax evasion, guys. Come on. If you're going to be in the mafia, at least pay your taxes. Okay, he was technically paying taxes. His taxes claimed that he only made 22 k per year. But he <laughs> was he making like $11 million? Four, four million. Four million. Personal. That's his personal. It was his four million. But it was very clear he was very wealthy. Like, he lived in very, very nice apartments. He freaking dressed very nice. Hell, he was on a vacation to Hot Springs in Arkansas. So, he's like, well, why does it say you only make $22,000 per year? 
but we know where you live. We know all this information about you. You couldn't afford to do this stuff on a $22,000 salary. He should have said he had a sugar mama. Well, Luciano was unable to explain it. Also, they knew he was with Gay Orlova. And she was not a sugar mama. Dang. Sorry. Oh, no. I think I see the ship sinking. Yep. Dewey would also press Luciano on his arrest record and his known relationships with mafia or gangsters. So he's like, Dewey is not giving him any, any grace here. He's like, nope, we're doing this. (laughs) I mean, like, just think about how many names I've already mentioned that he was working with. Like, we've gone over way more names in the last, in the first part of this episode. Yeah. So many names. Okay. There were so many names. But on June 7th, Luciano and the remaining eight co-defendants, I assume these are the ones that have not flipped or taken a plea deal, they are each convicted on 62 counts of compulsory prostitution. Luciano would be sentenced to 30 to 50 years in state prison. Oh, that's um, that's quite a while. This was the longest longest sentence ever handed down in New York for compulsory prostitution. Oh, wow. They, uh-huh. well, I mean, he had how many counts? Uh, 62. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he had a, he, they had his number. Yeah. Now I will say that there are so many reports or so many claims of people who believe that it was actually not likely Luciano was directly involved with the bonding combination or the brothels that were raided they believe that it would have been more appropriate to charge him with extortion if that was the case but luciano's lawyers made a mistake by letting him take the stand on his own defense oh no so basically what is explained is like he wasn't directly involved with these he wasn't forcing these women into anything and if anything, he was extorting someone for more money for himself, right? Okay. Um, so that's kind of where their argument is. Now, all of the women that had directly implicated Luciano, they would recant, recant their statements after trial. Oh. Some of Luciano's men would also state that he was not directly involved in the brothels, and that rather some of Luciano's soldiers were using his name to intimidate the brothel keepers into giving them money i mean honestly that kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. it does and i mean he was very powerful doing a lot of other things yeah right so some people are like there's no reason he would have continued with brothels prostitution anything like that so the likelihood he was involved was pretty slim according to a lot of sources now while in prison Lucky Luciano, he would maintain some sort of control. He would relay orders through the then-acting boss, Genovese, until 1937, when Genovese would flee to Naples to avoid a murder indictment. Now, after Genovese, it would be Costello as the new acting boss and overseer of Luciano's interests. Also, I found out the nickname for Frank Costello. Are you ready for this? Yeah. The mob name. Frank the Prime Minister Costello. That's one of the best ones I've heard. I know. I know. So did you did you find out why he was called the Prime Minister? I did not because I figured we could probably just do a story on him. 
Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. So I didn't do like anyone that has nicknames like Benjamin Bugsy Siegel or anyone like that. I did not. I didn't look into what their why their nicknames were that way. If I found the nickname, I put it in, but I didn't do additional research on that because there have been so many names, and I think this opens up a lot of stories for us. Yeah, honestly, there's there's a ton of players here. Um, yes. Now, this would last in this way until October of 1938 when Luciano's appeals would be denied and the U.S. Supreme Court would refuse to review his case. So Luciano would step down and Costello would formally replace him as the head of the family. This did not end Luciano's involvement. It simply put Costello in an official leadership role and it put Luciano in more of an advisory role, but he still called many of the shots. Now, he was first imprisoned in Sing Sing. He was moved to Clinton Correctional Facility, which some sources said this was like the Siberia for organized crime. Okay. So not a great place. It was a very remote facility, quite a ways away from New York. While at Clinton, David Batillo, Batillo David, David, one of the brothel runners, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call him, he was also an inmate assigned to the kitchen. and. He, he was arrested in the raids, but he would make special dishes for Luciano every single day. And special. He would, like, he would make a fancy dish for him. Okay, so it wasn't like there's a nail file in the Mm-mm. pot pie nope. or anything. Oh, okay. No, like, we're out of respect. Okay. Luciano was assigned a job in the prison laundry, and he was able to use his influence to get the materials needed to build a church at the prison. A church? A church. Okay. And this was a freestanding church. And at the church's altar, there were two of the original doors from the Victoria. Do you know what ship that is? I do not. This like a very important ship. This is a ship of Ferdinand Magellan. Magellan. Magellan? Yeah. It's still like, that's pretty impressive. It was a very fancy ship. It is. I'm sorry. I had to sneeze and it went away. So I was like trying to. To breathe it back, I, I lost it. I'm sorry. Uh, Where did he get doors from Magellan's ship? From, I don't he know. Was in jail. He had a lot of influence still. It sounds like it. He was sourcing things and getting. He was getting shit done still. Okay. Oh my lord, this guy's scary. <laughs> He's he is scary. Okay. He's like impressive, but also like I don't want to get sir. on his bad side. Okay, no, I've seen. I, I don't even think I want to be on his good side. I don't even want to be on his radar. That's very true. Correct. (laughs) So he's in prison. And then comes World War II. Look, the U.S. government, they needed a little bit of help. Uh Uh-oh. There was some concern of German and Italian agents entering the U.S. through the New York waterfronts. So in a secret deal, you know, it is secret deal time with Luciano. Some claim this would come to life in 1942 after the luxury liner Normandy blew up in the New York Harbor. Now this deal was that in exchange for uh, for Luciano's sentence being commuted, Luciano promised to complete assistance of his uh sorry, promised the complete assistance of his organization in providing intelligence to the navy. So the intent of this is to tighten up the U.S. Navy waterfront. And this was because they knew that Luciano's family had a lot of power over the waterfront. 
Do you remember last episode I talked about how some of these labor unions he had gained control of? Yeah. The waterfront was one of them. So who who do you think come up with that with this idea and was like, hey, Navy, okay, hear me out. I got an idea. Who had to pitch this? Someone that was very brave and lucky at that time because they went for it. They uh, went for it. Uh, like, it's a good idea. I have to say, it's a really good idea. But also, like, what are y'all thinking? The other part, though, is the government wanted help preventing strikes and sabotage at the docks from the union workers. That sounds correct. That's, that was probably a big driving factor for them to be like, we know he's very influential. We know his family runs this. We, we probably need to figure out a deal in order to make this happen. And Luciano was their biggest, biggest piece they could play with there. So, so what did he get out of this deal? His sentence is going to be commuted. To? Freedom. Oh, like immediate freedom. Not, not immediate. He had to provide information and then he would get it. Now, reportedly, in 1943, in preparation for the invasion of Sicily, Luciano gave the U.S. military the Sicilian mafia's contacts so that they could work with the mafia. And this would later become known as Operation Underworld. Underworld? Yes. Okay. So, now the actual value of Luciano's uh, contributions for anything in World War II, they're highly debated. Either way, on January 3rd, 1946, due to his presumed cooperation, Dewey, who is now the governor at this time, would commute his sentence. But he added a condition. And that condition is that Luciano was not to resist deportation to Italy. Now, Luciano, he's like, that's fine. But this may be in part because he maintained that he was a U.S. citizen and was not or could not be subjected to deportation. Oh, sneaky, sneaky. That's what Luciano thought. But on February 2nd, 1946, two federal immigration agents would transport Luciano from uh, Sing Sing to Ellis Island for deportation. And on February 9th, Luciano would share a spaghetti dinner with six guests of his, and he would set sail for Italy on February 10th. So he was deported. Oh, not sneaky. Nope. Because remember, his family immigrated when he was Mm -hmm. 10. They never became citizens. Sorry, Lucky. I was waiting Uh, for you. Well, his story is not done. Do not think for a second he doesn't have more. So they would arrive to Italy on February 28th in Naples, where he would tell reporters he likely would live in Sicily. And then in October of 1946, Lucky Luciano, he would secretly make his way to Havana, Cuba. Oh. How, how does one secretly go to Cuba? Let me just tell you, boy, it was an adventure for him to get to Cuba. <laughs> there was one freighter from Naples to Caracas, Venezuela, a flight to Rio, another flight to Mexico City, Double back to Caracas, a private plane to Camagüey, uh, Cuba, and a leisurely drive to Havana. Oh, is that all? That's how all. How long did that take? I didn't get clarity on how long that took. Oh it just, that was an adventure. 
Well, I mean, I guess he had time. <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> now, the Havana Conference would then be called in December of 1946. And this was under the pretenses to see Frank Sinatra perform. But really, it was a commission meeting. It was mob boss business. Oh, it was the fifth year. <laughs> it was something. <laughs> And this conference lasted a little more than a week. And on December 20th, during the conference, Luciano would meet one-on-one with Genovese. Now, if you remember, Genovese had fled to Italy to avoid murder charges. So when Luciano first went to jail, Genovese was acting. um, Acting boss. And then he fled and then Costello took over. Well, Genovese was extradited back to the U.S., but the charges against him would be dropped. So he was a free man in the U.S. I didn't look into why. I just know they were. Because, again, I can get a whole story out of Genovese. Fair. Okay. So So he was able to just kind of continue operating in the U.S. mob at this point after charges were dropped. (laughs) They were like, our bad. We're done here. We're done. Sorry. Don't play with your friends. Have fun. Now, during this meeting with Genovese, Genovese would try to convince Luciano to become the boss of all bosses or the capo di tutti capi. And he was like, but let me, I'll run everything. Like, don't worry about it, Luciano. Like, I got this. I know you're still boss of all bosses, but I'm going to run everything. And this was rejected by Luciano with him reportedly stating, quote, there is no boss of bosses. I turned it down in front of everybody. If I ever change my mind, I will take the title, but it won't be up to you. Right now you work for me and I ain't in the mood to retire. Don't you ever let me hear this again or I'll lose my temper. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I, Captain. Uh, yeah. Okay. Done. Point made. So, you know, at this point, it's not, not looking good for Genovese. I will say a lot of sources said that Luciano didn't really trust Genovese. Really? Like, like he, it's like, to me, it read like, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Okay. But, you know, that's kind of what I got out of it. Now, not long after this conference, guess who found out about Luciano's presence in Cuba? The cops. Well, he's not wanted in Cuba. No, but he's supposed to be in... Oh, he's supposed to be in Italy. No, he's not supposed to be in the U.S. They can't yeah. control where he goes outside of that. He's just been deported to Italy. But surely they want to keep an eye on him because he's going to try to come back, right? I'm sure. But I mean, it doesn't matter because the U.S. government catches wind. They're like, he's where? He's in Cuba? Honestly, it was not hard for them to get any information about this <laughs> because... Luciano was just seen publicly chilling with Sinatra. Oh, okay. Just hanging out. He was also seen several times having gone to different nightclubs. And the U.S. government is like, Cuba put an end to this. Send him back to Italy. But Cuba's like, why? He's not breaking any of our laws. Like, he's, he's not wanting to out with old blue eyes. He's hanging out with Sinatra. Leave him alone. They're smoking cigars and chilling. Yeah. So Cuba has some resistance. And so the U.S. is like, no, we must act. And act they do. Because on February 21st, 1947, the U.S. Narcotics Commissioner would notify the Cubans that the U.S. would block all shipment of narcotic prescription drugs while Luciano remained in Cuba. 
Oh, hit him where it hurts. And two days, la- two days later, Cuban authorities had Luciano in custody. And another two days later, he was sent back to Italy. I feel so, like at this point, like, I might be biased. But I feel like at this point, they're just picking on him. Um, yeah, that's what it feels like for me. Like, he's not even, he's not even, he's not in the U.S. What do you care? He's too close to the U.S. But he's not. The, it's like that, like, I'm not touching you. I'm not but, touching you. But the U.S. government was like, no, no, no. Send him back to Italy. <laughs> if you Let want his drugs, own... you send him out of here. Yeah, they're like, get out of here. Yeah, so he goes back to Italy. Uh, like I said, his luck, he's run out of luck at this point. And when he arrives in Genoa on April 11th, 1947, after having been deported from Cuba, he was immediately arrested by Italian police. Now what he do? He would remain in custody until May 11th when he was released and warned to stay out of trouble. I didn't get a reason for why they arrested him. I just got that they arrested him. He just wanted to hang out with Frank. Right? No, his real intention of going was to be closer to the U.S. And the operations that he had set up there. I don't believe you. He just wanted to hear Frank sing. Somewhere beyond the sea. Something like that. Or New York, New York. What he really wanted was New York, New York. Yeah. So he is told, stay out of trouble. And in July 1949, he is arrested in Rome. He was suspected to be involved with shipping narcotics to New York. Uh-oh. And he would be held for a week and released, and he would be banned from list or from visiting Rome. Okay, look how. First of all, how are you getting to all these places? Italy has already said, "Shame, shame, uh, stay out of trouble." And then you go to Rome, and Rome's like, Psst, "Hey, Italy, this this guy's I- doing this stuff again." I think you're confused because Rome is a city in Italy. I am confused. Okay. What the hell was... Oh, my God. Wow. Like, am I losing it? I swear to God, that's just a city in Italy. (laughs) No. It'll all make sense when when those two are on the outside and you don't sleep at night. Okay, okay. (laughs) Ooh. Okay. I was confused. I don't even know what I was thinking of. I don't know what you were thinking either. I'm like... He's just being banned from a city in Italy. For some reason, I thought he was in, like, like the UK. No. I Okay. No. Wow. He's in Italy. Okay, so they told him, hey, quit doing dumb things. And he was like, I'm going to do dumb things in my own backyard now. Uh-huh. And they said, okay, well, now you can't come visit Rome anymore. So his <laughs> backyard got a little bit smaller. So... In June 1951, he would be questioned by Naples police for suspicion of illegally bringing $57,000 in cash and a shiny new American car into Italy. He would be questioned for 20 hours, but released with no charges. How did he think he was a car? A, like, a okay, car. Yes. money, money. I get that. That, that is strange. Uh, I'm pretty sure they couldn't just wire it back in that time. I don't know. You can't just PayPal it to yourself. But a freaking car? How did you? How were you supposed to get away? Well, I guess he did. Never he mind. tried. I mean, he, it's fine. 
Okay. Now, during this time, he had actually met a new love interest Ooh. in 1948, because after his arrest, Gay Orlova and him, their lovership ended. The ship sunk? Yeah, that ship sunk. Okay. But it's okay. He's got a new ship. Uh, and in 1948, he would meet Aegea Lissoni. She was a Milanese, Milanese ballerina. I don't know what that is, but she was a ballerina. She a was ballerina is a dancer. No, no, no. The Milanese. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I'm probably <laughs> saying it wrong. That's okay. She was 20 years younger than Luciano, but he would go on to describe her as the love of his life. I tried to Google it, and I don't think this is right. It says mm -hmm. Milanese is served with macaroni or sometimes spaghetti. Hold on. Let me see. Wait, was um, this his spaghetti dinner? His new wife? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Milanese ballerina. That's a spaghetti ballerina. Okay. <laughs> um, Sharon Milanese. It looks like it's just a really fancy ballerina. Okay. Well, that's what I'm getting out of it. That's what we're going to stick with. But she would go on to live with him. There are reports they were married in 1949, but this is often disputed because there was no paperwork. Uh, a lot of sources cite that they just simply exchanged the rings without having any legality behind it. So they just made the commitment to each other. Yeah. Well, okay. they had issues. Uh, I should say Luciano. He was a loosey-goosey over here. Uh-oh. Then why, why get married? Just stay single. Come on. He often had affairs with other women, and Aegea was not fond of this. And they would get into arguments with reports of these arguments escalating and to Luciano striking Lissoni. Um, I thought he was honorable. That doesn't seem honorable. Nope, not so honorable anymore. In 1952, so they continue on. So they. I'll explain how their relationship ended, and it was not by choice, but in 1952, his passport would be revoked after complaints from, you guessed it, the U.S. and Canadian officials. What? They got Canada? <laughs> you were about to say they got Canada? I was absolutely about to say Canada. 100%. Yeah, Canada and the U.S. are like, we don't want him here. <laughs> so they revoke his passport. November of 1954, he would have strict limits applied to him by an Italian judicial commission. This was for two years. He was required to report to police every Sunday. He had to stay home every night. He could not leave Naples without police permission. All of this was due to suspicion of his involvement in the narcotics trade. Specifically, most sources said the narcotics trade was from Italy to the U.S. Or this vice versa. This is the most extreme form of grounding I've ever heard in my life. Right? They were like, you can't go to church. You have to go to the police station. That's the only place you go. Every Sunday. But, you know, it's fine. That's what he had to do. Now, all this while, Luciano, he really doesn't have any control of operations in the U.S. Like, he has some influence and some power. But physically, he could not go into the U.S. So his power is limited. And one source called him, instead of being like the, the chairman 
One source called him an elder statesman. And I just liked that term. Elder statesman. Uh-huh. I mean, it's no prime minister, but. But it's pretty good. Yeah. Now, on top of all, now, on top of, all of that, Genovese was actively taking steps to move against Luciano and Costello, the acting leader. So. No wonder he didn't trust him. Right. I'm not going to go too far into details about what happened because I think this would be better suited in a story either about Costello or Genovese. Mm-hmm. But during this time, Luciano, he would use his power. Allegedly, he would use his power and he would attend a meeting to discuss heroin trade uh, as part of the French connection. And after the meeting, he allegedly helped to pay part of the $100,000 to Puerto Rican drug dealers to falsely implicate Genovese in a drug deal. And this would cause cause Genovese to be convicted in April of 1959 of conspiracy to violate federal narcotics laws. Man, when he does something, he does it. He does it, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Now, unfortunately, in 1959, Luciano's longtime lover, Igea, she would pass away from breast cancer. Oh, no. On January 26, 1962, Luciano would head to the Naples International Airport to meet with producer Marin Ghost. This was to be a discussion. It was supposed to talk about a film about Luciano's life. Unfortunately, after his meeting, he would pass from a heart attack at the airport. Luciano's funeral services would be attended by 300 people in Naples. They would receive permission. That his, or I'm sorry, I'm skipping a bullet. So his funeral services would be attended by 300 people in Naples, and his body would be drawn through the streets of through the streets of Naples in a horse-drawn black hearse. Wow! So he's still doing it big, and he still has a lot of influence. Oh, we're not even done. Oh, because with permission from the U.S. government, his body would be taken back to the to to New York for burial, and he was buried in the St. John Cemetery. And more than 2,000 mourners would attend his funeral in New York. Holy. Luciano never had any children. He stated, quote, I didn't want no son of mine to go through life as the son of Luciano, the gangster. That's one thing I still hate Dewey for, making me a gangster in the eyes of the world. You made yourself a gangster. Calm down. I know. Like, you you were a gangster. You can't Mm -hmm. get mad at him because he had your number and he made it visible. Yeah, but... He's going to be. The Luciano family is now known as the Genovese family. After the there was an attempted murder on Costello, he stepped down and then um, Boss Hood, I guess, went to Genovese. <laughs> and then Genovese okay. was arrested. And There's a whole line of people that took over. But he did rename the Luciano family to the Genovese family. Reportedly, the commission is still active today creating a lasting legacy for Lucky Luciano. Before his death, Luciano did write a book called The Last Testament of Lucky Luciano, The Mafia Story in His Own Words. I'm pissed because it's out of print and I was not spending $40 for a used book. I don't know whose snot and fingerprints have been in there, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And that is the story of Lucky Luciano. Now, I will admit there are a lot of pieces I could have added details to, but I didn't want to put this in three parts. So instead, 
more details about like Murder Inc., the commission, the National Crime Syndicate, things like that we'll do in separate stories. I really enjoyed this story, but I'm kind of sad that it it ended like it didn't end with a bang. Yeah. It, we had all these pop pop bang bang pow pows and then it just ended with like chest pain. Yeah, yeah chest pain. I, I was trying to think of a word, but yeah. I will say that uh, a lot of sources had said that they thought that when he went to the airport, he was trying to get back to the US because Luciano loved New York. He loved the US and he did spend his time in Italy trying to get back there. Mm-hmm. But in his defense, that was his home. He only lived in Italy for 10 years before his family immigrated to the US. I am glad that America was like, you know what? Yeah, he's dead, but he can come back now because I can only assume his family is buried there and he's going to his actual family, not his mob family. Maybe both. I don't know. Both. Yeah, he's going to want to be with his family. My bigger thing is I think it was maybe for the U.S. to be like, can we just double check that he's gone? I think that was more the intention. I I could absolutely see that. That did not even occur to me. But that sounds, yeah. Yeah. There were no sources that said that. That's just what I assume. I would say that's a pretty good assumption, though. Anyway, so my story, I'm ready for yours. Okay. Um, I'm a little late to the party. Okay. But surprise, surprise. Yeah. This is the story you get. And it's funny because <laughs> I'm going to talk about Groundhog's Day. You're way late to the party. <laughs> yeah. It, this story actually started with. Uh, Sand Mountain Sam, I was telling Jack that not everybody uses groundhogs. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm a little late, but let's talk about Groundhog's Day. And Bryce, underrated holiday. I'm going to say it now. Oh, have you not seen the celebrations that they do for Groundhog's Day? Because I want to go. Oh, I'm going to tell you about the celebrations for Groundhog's Day. And I don't know if you're ready. Oh, I'm ready. I've seen that. Okay, cool. I didn't cover any of the um, modern ones because I had a lot of fun with the traditional ones. Oh, I've seen the modern ones. That's the ones I'm referring to that I want to go to. Okay. Well, you can tell us about that. Oh, they're partes. (laughs) So first of all, obviously we have Punxsutawney Phil. Do you know his whole name? Uh, Yes and no. Like I've seen it, but I can't recall it. I don't blame you because... This man's entire name, yes, man, this man's entire name is Punxsutawney Phil, seer of seers, sage of sages, prognosticator of prognosticators, and weather prophet extraordinary. I knew this, the, what was it, seer of seers? Yes. I knew that part, but that's all I could, nothing else was coming to me. I'm upset that it is weather prophet extraordinary and not weather prophet extraordinaire, but, uh, you know, I didn't name him. Now, do you know how old the current Punxsutawney Phil is? I do not know. Do you have a guess? Do you want to guess? 14. Up. 26. Up. 59. 138. Holy shit. (laughs) Groundhogs can live that long? No. (laughs) He is 
observed as the same original groundhog because every year he is given an elixir of life every summer to keep him alive. His wife, Phyllis, is not. So he just gets a new Phyllis. Yeah, right? right? Yeah, they let Phil live on. And then I guess when Phyllis dies, they just give him another Phyllis. So I guess I should say his wife slash wives, Phyllis dies. Yes. But Phil Phil dies. They don't, he's not actually 109 years old. No, he's 138. Oh, I'm sorry. He's not actually 138 years old. But he is. Don't ruin the spirit, Bryce. Okay, I won't. He's everlasting. So Groundhog's Day, it originated with the Celts of ancient Europe. February 1st was a cross-quarter day in pagan times. So it fell halfway between a solstice and an equinox. And they would celebrate Imbolc, which is a traditional Gaelic festival. So I don't know if I'm pronouncing Imbolc right, but I'm doing my best. Okay. Okay. It marked the beginning of spring, and it was believed to be associated with lambing season. Lambing season is when lambs are born. I, I assumed that when I read it, but I didn't know it was, it had a, I've never heard of that. It term. had its own term. Yeah, apparently so. I, but here we are. Okay. It's also associated with either Bridget or Bridget, who is an ancient Irish goddess she is associated with wisdom healing poetry protection smithing and domesticated animals so she sounds pretty well-rounded right she's said to be the goddess that poets adored and she had two sisters okay bridget had two sisters her sister's names were bridget the healer and bridget the smith so we have three bridgets Scholars okay. believe that because of this, she may be a triple deity, which are it's where she has three forms that function as one form. And this is pretty much just like Christianity's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, when Christianity spread through the region, much like Samhain, the February 1st celebrations were moved to February 2nd. And in Irish churches, they celebrated as St. Bridget's Day, and they would weave Bridget's crosses and hang them over doors. This was supposed to protect from fire, illness, evil spirits. They would make dolls of Bridget for young girls. And Bridget was said to visit homes on St. Bridget's Eve. So in preparation, people would make a bed for her. They would leave food and drink out, and they would set clothes outside for her to bless as she came by. Okay. Roman Catholic and Lutheran churches, they observed Candlemas, which is a festival of light. And they honor, pardon me, this is where they honor the warding of evil and death and assure prosperity. Candlemas is a celebration of the purification of Mary after childbirth and the presentation of Christ in the temple. So traditionally, people would bring their candles to the church and their candles, along with the candles that were going to be burned in the coming year, they would all be blessed. My Here is my number one favorite thing about Candlemas, okay? 
In medieval England, they believe that Candlemas, so February 2nd, was the end of the Christmas season. So it's when people would take down their Christmas decorations. If oh, they you, didn't do that at Christmas Day? No. Oh. Candlemas for my family ends it's Christmas Day. That's good. Um, you might want to keep with that. Because any decorations that were left up after Candlemas Eve would be possessed by goblins. Maybe that's why the year Cody and I didn't take down decorations until March was just a rough year. That's probably what it was. The goblins possessed your Christmas tree and well, ruined your we, life. We don't have those trees anymore, so. Once you got rid of them, did the, did the bad juju go away? No, we still have to do, go through IVF treatments, so. Oh. So you still got goblins. You just have two of them now. Yeah, they're growing day by day. <laughs> Some days they are still returning food and I'm still going, Ugh. In the mirror at yourself? No, um, <laughs> I do a side eye, so I'll turn and I flip off the direction I need. Okay, that's how it should be done. It's normally towards Cody because I'm like, this is your <laughs> genes making me sick. <laughs> um. Early Christians believed clear skies on Candlemas Day meant a longer winter was ahead, while a cloudy day meant the end of winter. And they had a fun little rhyme that goes, If Candlemas be fair and bright, winter has another flight. If Candlemas brings clouds and rain, winter will not come again. Germany, they have, I didn't Google this, I'm going to say Dockstag on February 2nd, or Badger Day. Okay. <laughs> if a badger leaves, if a badger leaves its den in February and it's a sunny day, then it's going to see its shadow and there'll be four more weeks of winter. Regionally, the critter varies from badger to fox or even bear, which is apparently the traditional German weather predictor. That feels bold because if a bear is coming out of hibernation, I don't want to be there. A badger and a fox, like, okay, I'll stand and I'll hang out and watch that. Not a badger. Oh, hell no. I mean, I'm not going to be right there next to it, but if I had to choose between the three. I'm watching a fox. Yeah, I would choose a box. What? A box. I would choose a box. I would choose a box, yes. (laughs) That is what I would choose. (laughs) The tradition made its way to America with the Pennsylvania Dutch, who altered it just a little bit. So winter would be six weeks longer instead of four. And instead of a badger, they used a groundhog as their fortune teller because they are aplenty here. The first Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania Groundhog Day we have a record of is in 1886. A newspaper called the Punxsutawney Spirit printed, Up to the time of going to press, the beast has not yet seen its shadow. The beast, that just seems rude. Have you ever met a groundhog? It is accurate. I hate them. No, I have not. They're they're fast and they're angry little creatures and they have big teeth. But they look so cute. They're not cute. When one of them is running at your face, not cute. I hate those things. The best Mm -hmm. groundhog is a dead groundhog. I'm talking to you too, Phil. I think you're just a little uh, biased for Sam here. 
Yeah, probably. Okay. I would rather deal with a possum than a groundhog any day. I thought it was an opossum. It is. Okay. <laughs> Look, if you educate me, you better have your education BS correct, too, because I will correct you. Look, I'm doing the best I can, but I was educated in Alabama, so. Uh, fair point. Okay, yeah. I'll give it to you. Okay, so the first official celebration of the holiday was one year later. But the editor of that newspaper, Punxsutawney Spirit, Clymore Freyas, he is known as the father of Groundhog Day because he's kind of, I mean, he's, I guess he's who we got when it comes oh. to the first one. Okay, cool. So the second year in 1887, a group of people got together to travel to Gobbler's Knob. Which is... <laughs> I didn't laugh at that. I didn't laugh, Dad. I I snorted. I'm glad you laughed though, because every time I every time I see that name, I'm like, really? You, you can't think of anything else. Gobbler's knob. Gobbler's knob. That is what Phil's home, just outside of town, is known as. So people dress up in their suits and top hats and they go on down to Gobbler's Knob to consult Phil on the coming of spring. In the 1880s, celebrations were held at the Punxsutawney Elk Lodge. And they had a feast that included Groundhog. Oh, well, hold on, hold on. That feels like a sin. They ate the Groundhog. So you ask this groundhog to give you the future and then eat its brethren? Yes. And apparently people were very surprised because it, the meat was so tender. I'm surprised that... because they're angry creatures. But oh, Okay, hold on. That feels like a lie. Oh, I can keep going. And a hunt. Obviously a hunt because they need to eat the groundhog. So... In 1899. They have one. They've got one that's 138 <laughs> years old. I don't think they're allowed to hunt on Gobbler's Knob, but that one was, I mean, that's just me assuming. It was not clear. In 1899, the Groundhog Club started, but they kept the feast and hunt. And this hunt was annual in September. And um, again, Groundhog's, Groundhog's Day is February 2nd. The hunt is in September, and when I tried to figure out why, it said that they needed time to marinate the meat. That, if, if you're marinating meat for five months, it better be tender. Uh, I feel like this is just a sin. That's like me saying this is my cat day, and then <laughs> eating my cat. And I, I'm saying that as I'm petting my kitty cat here. Bryce, I haven't told you the best part of the feast. They are not awesome too. No, better. They had something they served called groundhog punch. That is not the blood. It was described as tasting like a cross between pork and chicken. Is it the blood? That's literally the only thing I could find describing this punch. You don't, you couldn't find anything. What is groundhog punch? Hold on. Oh, wait, I did, but it was a bunch of like modern recipes. 
Oh, well, the good news is modern day. It's an elixir made from vodka, milk, and orange juice. I hey, this is, this is set to add the seven years to Phil's life. Well, it's taking them off everybody else's. I don't think vodka, milk, and orange juice? Vodka, milk, and orange juice. Does it work on people? Because I don't think it does. I don't think so. What is Groundhog Punch in the olden days? <laughs> um, all I can see is woodchucks did not make out. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't have my glasses on, okay? Already been captured, killed, marinated. It does not tell me, but this is bullshit. <laughs> I swear to God, if that is the blood. But it has did, to be, right? I have no idea. I did find one. It was only one source um, that said that they used to eat Phil after he made the prediction. But I don't, I, I still don't think they did that. Hey, that's just rude. <laughs> you cannot ask for a prediction and then eat the one giving you the <laughs> prediction. Oh, they very well could have. Oh my gosh. And then you can't have an elixir to give him seven years to his life just to eat him. That's why I, I don't, I don't. I don't know. I mean, he doesn't, he's not very accurate. So maybe that's why. Maybe they were pissed off because I, I don't think I included the number, but I think he's. Oh, he's less, less than 50%. Oh, he, yeah. yeah. He's, he's way he's, under 50 The most accurate one is the Satin Island one. I can't remember his name, though. Well, there's another one that we'll talk about that claims to be the most accurate. But. When the animal's handler is like, he's never been wrong. I'm like, mm, but do you have proof? But can you show us receipts? Yeah. This is the age of proof. Sir. It's Staten Island Chuck, last I read, had the most accurate predictions. I think I talk about him later. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, Bryce. Would you believe, I don't know if you're going to believe this, this feast, the Groundhog Feast, it was eventually discontinued because, and I quote, it did not attract enough outside interest. Who wants to eat a groundhog? Because it's not me. Who wants to drink a groundhog? Because it ain't me. Who wants to drink a mix of vodka, milk, and orange juice? Because it's not me. Yeah, I, I mean, I would try it, but it sounds like a really, really bad hangover. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's like an Orange Julius, but with with vodka. Oh. Like I said, I'd try it. If I it's Orange try. Julius tasting, I'll try it. Okay, we'll have to try it. In 1966, the groundhog was named Phil, presumably after Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. But the Groundhog Club maintains he was named after King Philip. Which King Philip is unclear because this tradition is said to come from Germany. And from what I found, there wasn't a King Philip of Germany. So we don't know. But before Phil, he was referred to as Brer. I think. 
prayer. Okay. He was live streamed for the first time in 2019. They started filming at 6 a.m. He finally appeared at 7.23, and he did not see his shadow that day. In 2021, for the first time ever, the ceremony was held behind closed doors. Only the inner circle was there, so like the most important of the Groundhog Club. Everybody wore masks, including Phil. He's a groundhog. <laughs> was summoned at 725, and he did see his shadow this day. And this year, 2024. Wait, are we sure? Hold on, time out. Are we sure he saw his shadow, or could he see out of his mask? You know, I tried to find a picture of him in this mask, and I could not find it. And I'm really upset, because I think that would be hilarious. But I can, I can picture it. Um, oh, in 2024, most recently, Phil did not see his shadow, which is, means that we should have an early spring. Um, this is the 20th time in 138 years that Phil did not see his shadow. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so do you want to talk about some more animal meteorologists? Only if we talk about Sand Mountain, Sam. We'll get there. Roman Catholics in Britain, as far back as the late 1800s, as well as an Irish folk tradition, they both claim hedgehogs predicted the coming of spring. In Croatia and Serbia on February 2nd or February 15th, they say a bear will wake up, and if it sees its shadow in its groggy state, it'll get scared, go back inside, and sleep for another 40 days. Me too. <laughs> yeah, that honestly sounds great. Punxsutawney Phil is not the only U.S. groundhogs. There are more. There's Buckeye Chuck in Marion, Ohio. He is the state groundhog as of 1979. And between 1979 and 2006, he has been correct twice. Staten Island Chuck, do you know his real name? No, not this one. It is Charles G. Hogg. You know what? No, I did know that one. <laughs> I um, did know that one. It's said that he's been wrong every year since 2009, but I think I know why. 2009 was the year that he bit Mayor Bloomberg, and he was also dropped once by Mayor Bill DiMazio. So he's just getting it wrong on purpose. Probably. He's like, just let me retire. Let me be myself. North Carolina, they have Sir Walter Willie. And Sir Walter Willie is not his real name. That is a stage name. His real name is Toby. He's been around since 1998, and he is correct 50% of the time. Louisiana has two Cajun groundhogs. What's a Cajun groundhog? <laughs> is it a spicy groundhog? No, it's not a spicy. Well, no, no, it's oh. not. Uh, New Iberia, they have Pierre C. Chadeau. And New Orleans has T-Boy. These are Nutrias or Nufa rats. It's a river rat. 
It looks like a cross between a really big rat and a groundhog. So they're pretty big. They have web feet. They have big ass yellow teeth. What did you call them? Nutrias. N-U-T-R-I-A. We call them Nutra rats, but that's just like a nickname. Those don't look like a groundhog at all. No, they're not. They're Cajun groundhogs. Or spicy groundhogs, as you called them. I don't want a spicy groundhog. I'm sorry. In animal control, I also had to catch a Nutra rat once. Ten to one, prefer Nutra rats over groundhogs still. So, there's also Cluxitani Henrietta in Katona, New York. And her prediction is determined by whether or not she lays an egg that day. Okay, yes. I guess. Yes. There's pictures of, well, Cluxitani. not all of them, but the ones that we want to see. There's pictures of. Cluxitani, for sure. For sure. Now, there's also Snohomish Slough. He's been around since 2006 in Snohomish, Washington. He is a bullfrog. He whispers his prediction to spectators and ground froggies. And the slew Question, who, who deciphered groundhoggies? I'm so glad you asked. I was just about to tell you. The uh, slew's handler, I keep wanting to say the slew, but his name is slew. Slew's handler, Thayer, I don't know, cuter? Thayer. Thayer said, the crowd gathered, nope, the gathered crowd will be riveted by every transcribed word. From Slu, as he accurately predicts our winter weather fate for six more weeks. Riveted. I'm, look, this story is very riveting, but I think this was just a um, publicity thing for Washington, (laughs) and it just stuck. (laughs) Now, the one that claims 100% accuracy is in Texas. And Texas does not celebrate Groundhog Day. They celebrate Armadillo Day with Bee Cave Bob from Bee Cave, Texas. And if it's sunny and Bob casts a shadow, six more weeks of winter. If it's cloudy and he doesn't cast a shadow, spring comes early. And Bee Cave Bob's handler is the one who said he has been absolutely correct every single time. Which, in order for me to report on that, sir, as anything more than a claim, like we said, I need proof. I need receipts. Finally, Bryce, you've been asking for this the whole time. It's because he's my favorite, I think. I love him so much. I mean, look at him. He's so cute. He is so cute. Look, when I learned about him, I was like, why do we celebrate Groundhog's Day when we can celebrate Opossum Day? There are some real cute pictures of him, too. Oh, so cute. You okay, didn't so, even pull the most flattering picture of him. But you can see his whiskey barrel behind him. That's fine, but I said the flattering picture of him. Okay, fair. So we're talking about Sand Mountain Sam. Sand Mountain Sam is from Albertville, Alabama. Every year, the possum, excuse me, every year the opossum queen knocks on Sam's whiskey barrel. Then he comes out. And makes his prediction. His translator trans no, his translator translates. Translate. His handler translates it and writes it down and gives it to the mayor. 
and the mayor reads it to the town from a scroll every year. Okay, he's a cutie. I don't care how accurate he is. He is just adorable. Um, apparently, Bee Cave Bob and Sand Mountain Sam, over the past five years, were both 100% accurate. And I found Sand Mountain Sam was accurate, like, he's the most accurate. I found that in multiple sources. And he's, uh, sorry, he's been around since 1993. Out of the groundhogs, the sources I saw said it was Staten Island Chuck, but that was out of the groundhog. Yeah. But also, I put some pictures, some more flattering pictures of his cute little face in there. Sand Mountain Sam. And you can't just, even tell me he's not the cutest thing. He's just like, look at him. He's so precious. He's so cute. Guys. He's the most darling thing ever. I love him so much. Oh, Sand yeah. Mountain Sam's my favorite. Oh, 100% Sand Mountain Sam for president. 2024. At least to replace Groundhog's Day. Yes. And That's maybe, what I'm going to do. Yeah. So everyone next year, I know this is like still a year away, but next year we're going to celebrate Sand Mountain Sam. Mm-hmm. I'm putting yeah. it in the calendar now. Okay, do it. I just, I love him so much. Yeah, I was late. I was, I'm very late because this will come out, what, next week? So at the end, just about of February. Yeah, this will come out on the 18th <laughs> of February, guys. <laughs> Two weeks late. But when I was, ex- when I was showing Sand Mountain Sam to Jack, I was like, I want the world to know about Sand Mountain Sam. I knew about Sand Mountain Sam. I hope you're proud of that, that I had that small bit of knowledge. Oh, I am. I am very much. I didn't know about the armadillo, but I knew about him. So and yes. I look at- Oh, sorry. I was about to say the, the armadillo there in um, Texas. Yes, Texas. Texas. I just love Sam Mountain Sam. I don't care what anyone says. He's the cutest. He's so cute. I want. I would have an, uh, an opossum. Uh, opossum. Either one, a possum or a, an opossum. I would have either one. I would not have either, but that's because. Um, I've got dogs and this little furry kitty. I don't think they're going to get along. Not the cat or the possum. I've considered bringing one home from like, you know, work when I was in animal control and just letting it hang out outside. But we live in the middle of town. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. But they're like, great. They're, They're resistant to like a bunch of diseases. They eat bugs and little critters. They can't get rabies, right? Mm hmm. Correct. Yeah. Look, they're cute and adorable. Yeah. They do look ferocious sometimes, but but look at Sam. I that's why I put the flattering pictures of Sam. Look at those big little eyes. Mm-hmm. Big little eyes. I know they're so sweet. Look at him. He's like oh. I'm just holding on to my handler for dear life. And he's got one eye that looks cross-eyed on one of the pictures. Yes. He's so cute. Y'all be, be nice to possums and opossums. Guys, everyone start celebrating Opossum Day. Yes. February 2nd. You can still... Okay. But have you seen the celebrations they do for... No. Bill? Amanda. All day. I read day, that they're pretty big after the movie Groundhog Day. All day on the 2nd, if I pulled up TikTok, mm-hmm. these guys... They were dressed as, I want to say, like, as pilgrims. Like, they have top hats, you know. 
not yes. com- the crowd was so big. And you've got like a, probably 30, 40 people dressed in these top hats <laughs> to do Groundhog's Day. I want to go to one celebration so I know what it's like. I believe the top hats are the inner circle. It may be more of the, or, you know, like not the exclusive inner circle, but yeah, I think I read that like 40,000 people come to see him predict. Yeah. Nowadays. That's if you just look ground, uh, look up Groundhog's Day celebration um, 2024, I bet it'll come up with a video because like these people, there was so much. But like, go for them. They can celebrate. Utah doesn't have anything that I'm aware of. I guess back east, they've got exciting things to look forward to. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I so hate the little bastards. I was going to say, well, I'm still upset that your uh, story's late. I do. I'm telling you, I love Sand Mountain Sam. See, better late than never Sand Mountain Sam. I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll give it. it to you this time. <laughs> All right. Thank you all for listening to Helen Hills Podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Helen Hills Podcast, X Helen Hills Pod, Facebook Helen Hills Podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Hills Podcast Linktree. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create additional content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or words of encouragement, please email us at HelenHillsPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.